Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We really believe the next 35 minutes will help you. We pray God speaks to you through this week's message. Anyway, hey, it's good to, um, to have Mission Sunday. I'm excited about it. Um, the truth is uh, anyone can make a difference. I used to work in um, different companies that would raise money for charities uh, to, to go out and change the world. And we did work with Oxfam and uh, uh, you know, Doctors Without Borders and all kinds of organisations. We'd just sort of raise money for them and that would be working to make communities self-sufficient and all kinds of things. I think anyone can make a difference, but how many of us agree that the church is here to do a really specific job? Yeah. We're not here to make communities self-sufficient. I think that's great. I believe in social justice. In fact, I think social justice is implied in the gospel message and you would see that time and time over again. But you know what? We're here for a really specific purpose. I mean, the church, we've got a job to do. I think Jesus outlined that job 2,000 years ago. We're going to look at that today. This is what Jesus said. He said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mark says the same thing, but different take on it. He says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. As Pete said this morning, they'll speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They'll lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. The Great Commission, something that we've all been called to do. This is what commission means. It means a group of people entrusted by a government or other official body with authority to do something. Isn't that a great explanation of what a commission is? You've been entrusted by a governing body to do something and you've been given authority to do it. It's exactly what the Great Commission is all about. In fact, I would go so far as to say it's our mandate. Doesn't that make sense? Would you like to know what mandate means? Good, because I did that too. An official order or commission to do something, a commission by which a party is entrusted to perform a service. The authority to carry out a policy in a period during which a government is in power. Can I suggest to you this morning that the government that's in power is the kingdom of heaven. It came to power thousands of years ago. I believe, you know, on the day of Pentecost, it it was a day when the kingdom came to power and then that power was distributed to Jesus' disciples to go out and fulfill the Great Commission. Boy, I tell you, it takes guts to do this stuff, doesn't it? We've been commissioned, we've been called, but it takes guts. You ever prayed for someone and you've never met them before? You ever gone and given someone a word like God has put something on your heart and you just feel like it's for someone you've never met them you're in a coffee shop or a cafe somewhere and you step out and and decide to speak on behalf of God man this stuff takes guts and the truth is is that you know when God comes and speaks to you and says I want you to share this message with someone or whatever situation you find yourself in where you feel God is prompting you to do something on behalf of him the truth is is for most of us you don't really feel ready you never really feel ready, but this is what I discovered to be true about feeling ready. Ready is rarely, ready rarely arrives. It's discovered 
ready rarely arrives, it's discovered. You don't wake up one day and feel ready to do all the things that God has called you to do. It doesn't just arrive one day. If you're waiting for the moment when ready just arrived and you wake up and you feel different about sharing your faith or communicating or sharing the message of the gospel, whatever it is, if you're waiting for the day when you just feel different about stepping out of the boat and doing something by faith, I'm telling you, ready rarely arrives. It's discovered. It happens along the way. And if you're waiting for a moment when you just are going to feel better or feel like, you know, you're not sort of afraid anymore to do that or you don't feel nervous about doing that, the truth is you're probably living in denial. I think if you were to speak to most people, they feel inadequate. If you're waiting for the day when you feel totally and utterly adequate to do everything that God's asking you to do, you're living in denial. Because the reality is if you're waiting for that day where you say, on the day when I feel adequate, I have everything I need. I have all the financial resources necessary to make this happen. I, I, I feel confident. I feel ready. I feel prepared. You're living in denial. That day's not coming. You discover readiness along the way to doing what God is calling you to do. My encouragement to you is do it anyway. If you're ever feeling nervous, if you're ever feeling concerned, do it anyway. Get out of the boat. If you're living in a season right now where readiness is just not the season you're in, if you're living in a season right now, it's just, you know, the timing is not right. I mean, you want to live a missional life, but the timing is not right. I need to tell you something that's really important. Seasons that disable missional living are never sent by God. If you're in a season right now that's disabled you from living a missional life, I want to tell you it's not sent by God. And I'll tell you why that's so important. If you're in a season right now where you feel inadequate and you don't feel like you're able to do what God is asking you to do, the season is not right. I'm telling you this so you know exactly what to pray for. You need to know what to pray for. If you're in a season that's disabled mission, start praying against it because I don't believe God sent it. He doesn't commission us and ask us to go forwards and then send something that disables us from doing what God has called us to do. Now, the thing is, is when I talk about this missional living is such so broadly defined. I'm not talking about leaving your home and going overseas necessarily, although if that's something you want to do, great. Missional living is, such a, is so broadly defined, but I'm saying if you feel utterly inadequate to do anything that God is asking you to do, you just feel like it's not possible to do anything. You're not going or sending. It's not sent by God. You know, in Acts chapter 4, the disciples, they had this season that was disabling them from doing uh, the work that God had sent them to. It disabled them from missional living. Let me read it to you. This is what the disciples say. They said, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are being performed or are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The season that they were in was a season of persecution where the Jewish and religious leaders at the time would not let them share the message that was on their heart. But can I tell you something? that the disciples did not see that season as a sovereign sign from God to cease living missionally. So what did they pray for? They knew what to pray for. They prayed for boldness. 
They said, God, make us brave enough to continue to do the things that you know, that we know that you've called us to. See, sometimes even though on the outside things can be coming against you, you just need to know what to ask God for. And they said, God, give us boldness to continue to preach the gospel. The commission is an as-you-go ministry. It's not when you arrive. Story of my life. I don't know if I've ever arrived. I don't even think I've arrived now. I mean, whatever I discover, and you'll know this about doing a life with God, is wherever you are now, He'll probably just get you to do more. You know, you haven't arrived yet. And where you are now, you never thought you'd be yesterday, but you're there now. And tomorrow He'll get you to do something else. You never really arrive. God just says, okay, go here, do that. And when you feel like the task is completed, He points you in another direction. You never really arrive. I never felt like I arrived. It's just a journey. I keep fleshing it out. I keep going through the motions. But can I tell you, depending on your personality or your disposition, sometimes you've got to go without knowing what tomorrow holds. You've got to go without having the end in mind. There's too many people that want the complete picture before they set off on that course. The truth is, is that sometimes we set off, we push out from the jetty. And as we start to drift along, we'll be carried by the wind. It's taking us where God's leading us. We didn't know where we'd end up when we started. But isn't that like your life anyway? No one knows where their life is going to end up. If you try to predict what you're going to be in 10 years, that is a really tough thing to do. All the influences that could come into your life. The truth is, none of us really know exactly where we're going to end up. Life is a journey. But you don't wait for the destination before you start to really live, do you? I was thinking about this this week and it reminded me of a funny story. When we were kids, uh, you know, my family, when I was a little boy with my brothers, my family and I, we went up to Sydney and we went to something called the Katoomba Railway. It's in the Blue Mountains. Has you ever heard of the Katoomba Railway? Okay. So here we are at the Katoomba Railway and, and when you get into it, it's this sort of cart that you hop into. It's held by a cable and it takes you off the edge of a cliff. It's very steep and it takes you down. Now, I want you to know it's steep, okay? So when if you go over the edge and that cable snaps, you're dead. I mean, there is no two ways about it. So before our family decides to embark on this journey, my mum is having the briefest of discussions with my dad about whether this is a great idea or not. And I can hear them having this discussion. And what my dad is saying, he, he's talking to my mum and he's saying, you know, it's, Suzanne, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It's not even that steep. You know, just sit next to me. Hold on tight. The walk is worth it. When you get to the bottom, it'll be great. She says, okay, okay. Well, let me tell you, my brothers and I know what's coming next. So we picked the furthest seat possible from my parents. So they sat at the back. And we sat at the front. And as that cart began to follow that incline, no one was really wondering what my mum was thinking because they knew it. Because everything that was coming into her Mind right then was immediately coming out of her mouth and we could hear her very, very clearly from the front. And she was going over the proposed plan by my dad. The funny thing is, is that it was so steep that when we went over, I think my dad felt the same way. He was like, oh, I didn't realize this was happening. 
You know, oh, I don't remember it being like this, you know. And, and the thing is, is that that was what life was like sometimes with God. He gets with us and He says, before we get into the cart, before we get onto that track, He says, it's going to be fine and I will be with you even to the end of the age and I'm going to do it. And then we get on, we're like, oh, I didn't think that this was going to, you know, happen like this. And then, you know, it's kind of like that sometimes. You know, sometimes God will take you screaming anyway. You know, it's like, you're like I don't want to do this. He's like, it's too bad. You committed and now we're here. You know, it's like God will just do that with you sometimes. Now, listen, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all your theology right. You don't have to have all the problems solved in your life. But one thing you do have to do is go. You just have to go. Because that's what Jesus has done in the Great Commission is that He sent us to represent Him. You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to go. I remember years ago, just praying to God. And I said to Him, God, if you can save me, you can have me. If you can save me from my current life, my situation, my circumstance, I said, you can have me. My present life is anchored in the promise I made in my past. How many of us understand that the present life you live is anchored somewhere in your past? It's just somewhere back there. And I knew, I, to be honest, when I said that prayer, when I said, you can have me, I knew what I was saying. I was saying, God, you can have my whole life. You can have my uh, family. You can have my wealth. You can have my job. You can have everything. I, I, I knew somewhere along the way it was going to cost me, but I just didn't know what it was going to cost me or how much. I discovered something else to be true about Jesus. He's okay with mission costing you. Jesus is okay with mission costing you. If you want to do this life that God has called you to and never incur a cost, you're not signing up for the life that God has called you to. And to be honest, if you think about it, it's cost him his whole life. I think he's okay with it costing you part of yours. Bill Johnson said, and I remember this from years ago, he said, when it comes to mission, you're either going or you're sending. If you're not sending people and you're not going, you may not be living that missional life that God has called you to. Now, when I say going, I'm not even talking about leaving your own country. I mean, just go to your own culture. I mean, when I, when I talk about going, hey, come on, leave your back door. You know, you close the door, step out into the world. Guess what? Surrounded by you is a culture that needs to hear the gospel. When I say going, I'm not talking about necessarily overseas mission, although that's included. I'm saying you can live a missional life right where you are if you just begin to say the things that God has asked you to say. I've discovered there are three obstacles that will really keep the church from moving forwards missionally. And they probably hem you in as well. Three obstacles that will do that. I just want to talk to, to these this morning. The first one is your reputation. If you want to do life with God, sometimes it's going to cost you your reputation. Don't worry about trying to keep your reputation intact. Worry more about what your Father in heaven thinks of you. Okay? Now, one of the most disabling spirits I believe in the world today is a fear of man. If you're too worried about what other people are thinking about you, you're not going to live the life that God has called you to. Every time you go to speak and you think, what will my friends at work think of me? What will they think on the work site if I begin to speak about Jesus? You know that, you know that feeling that rises up inside of you that says, no, keep your mouth shut? It's a fear of man. Because you're more afraid about what people think than you are about what God thinks. And to me, it just doesn't make sense. Now, the thing is, when it comes to having that fear of man, I think it's one of the most controlling spirits at work in the world today. And the truth is, is if the church completely lost their fear of man, boy, we would really shake things up, wouldn't we? But the truth is, a lot of us, I've been there too, you're just too concerned about what people think. You're just too worried about what they might say about you. I've got to tell you, if you're afraid and you live in fear 
about what, what people might say about you, you're probably attaching your security to their opinions and not to the fact that you're a son of the Father. When your security and your identity is firmly grounded in the fact that you are your Father's son, you'll care less about what people think and you'll care more about what God thinks and you'll be okay with what happens. Now, when it comes to that fear that you know, sometimes rises up inside of you and disables you from living that mission of life, when it comes to that, I've rarely seen people lose fear. I don't know anyone that really loses fear. I don't see people wake up and they say, you know, today I woke up, you know, all that stuff I was worried about completely disappeared. I I don't hear that very often, but people defeat fear all the time. Fear is to be defeated. So you know how you defeat your fears? You go after them. You know, sometimes you just got to put yourself in the position and, and, and go after the thing that God's called you to and just be okay with being afraid. Do it anyway. One of the um, scriptures I used to always hear over the breakfast table when I was a child was um, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-control. Okay? Now that scripture is in direct reference to Paul talking to Timothy about living the life that God has called him to. Because the scripture that comes immediately before that is, hey, listen, why don't you fan into flame the gifts that have been given to you that came with the laying on of my hands? And by the way, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Why is it when it comes to using our gifts and operating in the way that God has called us to, that fear rises up? It happened to Timothy and it happens all the time today. And I think it's one of the most disabling things. I'm saying, go after it, do it anyway. Defeat fears along the way. I could talk more about that. We don't have time for that today. Here's the next one, your time. Wow, time is one of the things that I think inhibits the kingdom of God from being able to move forwards. Because the truth is, wow, people are just so busy these days. Everyone's busy. Everyone. It doesn't matter who you speak to. How's your week been? Really busy. Now, I don't know what we're filling our time with, but everyone I know is busy all of the time. And if you live your life without margin, or maybe you don't prioritize it rightly, you're not going to have the space in your week to do the things that God's called you to. And the truth is, if there's other stuff in the way, what you might need to do is reprioritize your time, move out what you're currently doing, and do life a little bit differently. That's my suggestion to you, okay? There's a parable in the, in, this, in the Bible that Jesus tells, and this is the parable of the lost sheep. Let me share it with you. I'll point out why I'm saying it in a moment. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. This is Jesus. The Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. What a beautiful picture. How many of us know that sometimes the sheep wander so far, they're too tired to walk back? I love the fact that Jesus picks them up and carries them back. I think he's such a gracious God. I love that that picture. He continues and he says, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and says, Neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, he's talking to the Pharisees, Just so, I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, here's the point. When he said that, he's not saying that righteous people don't need repentance. He's saying that self-righteous people don't think that they need repentance, but they absolutely do because we're all before God. We all need his help. Does that make sense to you? So here is what, um, Paul, uh, here is what Jesus is really saying. The, the Pharisees are saying, we don't like the way that you spend your time with these sinners. How many of us understood that if anyone was pressed for time, it was Jesus? 
I mean, here he is. He's got to change the entire globe. He's bringing the kingdom of God. He's bringing heaven to earth. I mean, think about it. If anybody was pressed for time, would it not have been Jesus? He's got three years to train up these guys that suffer from foot and mouth half the time. And he's looking at this ragtag bunch of guys and saying, great, you're going to lead the new movement that's going to change the world. If this was me, I would have a heart attack. I'd be like, Peter, you need to get this before I die. You know, I would be thinking that, you know, hey, get your foot out of your mouth. You know what would be better? Just talk less. Just talk less. You know, I mean, surely Jesus was pressed for time. But when you see Jesus, what is he doing? He's spending time with sinners. He's spending time with people that need him. Do you know why? I think that reveals to us something about Jesus' priorities. Now, here is his point to the disciples. You guys are busy doing a lot of things. You're crossing off your to-do lists. You're so religious. You make sure that you do all the right things, but all the things that you're doing don't bring heaven to a standstill. All the things that you're crossing off your list right now don't erupt heaven into spontaneous applause. He says, if you really see things the way that I do, if you understand the kingdom the way that I see it, I'm working here because I understand that the work that I'm doing here is going to bring heaven to its feet. People are going to shout. People are going to sing. The angels in heaven are going to rejoice. Why? That is the value of one person that repents. So instead of being consumed, Pharisees, with your to-do lists and making sure that you live in rightly before everyone else, why don't you reprioritize your time and stop being so busy with what you're doing and get on with the job of living the life that God had actually called you to? This is the message. This is what he's saying to the Pharisees. So that's the second one time. Here's the next one. Here's the next one, money. Oh man, here's the truth about this. Money inhibits the kingdom of God from being able to move forwards in certain and specific ways. Now, you can go out and be Jesus' hands and feet, but actually, sometimes, you know, money can really inhibit the church from being able to do everything that it wants to do. And if you've been in church for any length of time, this is not news to you. You already understand this. You already know this. This is what Jesus said. He said, store your treasure in heaven. Don't store your treasure on earth. Present tense. Now, when I think about that passage, how can I store treasure in heaven right now from where I am? If I'm saving money, I don't think I can put my money into heaven's bank account. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure that some of you are with me. I can't transfer my money to heaven. So what can I transfer from this place into that spiritual dimension? You know, I thought about this and the only thing that I could come up with is the soul of another human being. I think if you think about that, that's what... Jesus' treasure really is. It's people. How can I store treasure in heaven? Treasure, therefore, cannot be money. And it cannot be wealth. And if I begin to think like Jesus does, and I think about what his treasure really is, it's people. Now, when I understand what Jesus' treasure truly is, I'm happy to give away my money because now I know what treasure actually is. I'm happy to give away the things that I've earned. I'm happy to have it cost me. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to do it because I've got the heart of the Father. And I care about other people. If people become my treasure, I'm okay with parting with money. But if money is my treasure in life, it's always going to be hard to part with it. It's always going to be difficult for me to to move from that place. You know, the thing is, sometimes extreme treasure, sometimes extreme treasure costs us. But it's worth it. And the disciples, wow, they understood this more than anyone. I'm going to bring this to a close really soon. We started just a little bit late, though. Acts chapter 2 is the commission, not the fulfillment of what God said. 
Acts chapter 2 is a picture of commission, but it's not fulfillment. If we look about at what they were doing back then, that's a picture of what Jesus wanted to see. That's a picture of the commission. But how many of us understand that, that what they were doing, that's not finished. That's not done. That's not over. When it comes to living missionally, mission isn't just saying Jesus loves you and died on the cross for you. And if you repent, you'll live with him in heaven. That's not just missional living. Missional living is everything. Missional living is the way that you interact with people. It's, it, sometimes it's using words. Sometimes it's the way that you interact with people and just, you know, uh, how you present yourself in their life. Here's what I think missional living really is. It's bringing heavenly solutions to earthly problems. You're just bringing heavenly solutions to earthly problems. The truth is, when you look out into the world today, wow, it needs a lot of work. It needs a lot of help. And when we understand who we are, and if you understand that you've been commissioned, if you understand the mandate, in other words, a governing authority has actually commissioned you and given you authority to do the things that it's actually asked you to do, empowered you to do it, then you'll be able to go live that missional life. You'll be able to go and do the things that God is saying to you. Mission unveils the hidden superior realm of God's kingdom. Now, all you need to make this happen is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. But I need to tell you today that the Holy Spirit is not a bag of tricks and miracles. It's power for a purpose. He's not tricks and miracles. He's not doing it so that we can keep him in this space and say, hey, wasn't church great on Sunday? Our little, our little group of people, we had several people healed. Actually, the power for a purpose is to reveal that superior hidden realm, that superior hidden kingdom to some people to unveil it. And what that means sometimes is bringing what's in here out there. It's just what God has actually called us to do. You know, he's the Holy Spirit. He is the greatest resource you'll never use if you don't live a missional life. The greatest resource you'll ever need. Otherwise, what do you really need him for? If you live the kind of life where you think, now think about it, if you live the kind of life where you really don't need the Holy Spirit ever, I mean, it's great. It's a great addition to your life. It's fantastic that he, he's your counselor and he helps you. But if you're, really not, if you're not living a life where you ever really need him, I don't know, you just, don't you kind of think, well, I don't know, maybe I'm not living the life that I'm supposed to? Is there ever a time when you just think, wow, I really need the presence and power of God to show up right now? You could be onto something. You could be on track. You could be living the life that God has called you to, but you'll never need him if you don't live that missional life. We're going to watch a clip right now. It goes for about 10 minutes. And uh, we're going to look at uh, a couple missional focuses. We're going to look at what we're doing together as a church. We've got some things that we want to share with you today. There are plenty of stands and so forth that you can sign up at and get involved in. But before we uh, end, why don't we have a look and see uh, what they're all about. Good morning, Activate Church. It is so great to have you all here for Mission Sunday. I'm so glad that you could all come and be a part of the service today. I have some very exciting news that I want to share with you and some great things that God has been doing in our church and also in our community. First of all, I want to speak to you about a few of our overseas missions. As some of you would know, Ben and I went to Thailand last year and we looked at Compassion and Destiny Rescue while we were there. The first partnership we'd like to talk to you about today is with Compassion. The thing that's great about Compassion is that they work through the local church and they're focused on the child but they're also Christ-centered which means they take a holistic approach to the children um, in their programs. We're just going to watch a short clip that explains the work that Compassion do. Poverty is complex and widespread. It devastates communities, families and those most vulnerable, children. 
But in the midst of great poverty, God equips local churches to reach out to their neighbours. And sometimes a church needs a partner. That's where Compassion comes in. Compassion works in partnership with local churches in more than 26 developing countries around the globe to see children released from poverty in Jesus' name. Compassion is proudly child-focused, church-based and Christ-centered. We believe Jesus is the only one able to truly release children from the four forms of poverty, spiritual, socio-emotional, physical and economic. With Compassion's help, local people from communities all around the world are building relationships with children and showing them a path that will lead them out of poverty. It works by empowering mothers and nurturing babies through the Child Survival Program. It works by educating and equipping school-aged children through the Child Sponsorship Program. It works by training tertiary students through the Leadership Development Program. It works by meeting specific needs through critical interventions. Together, these programs help around 6,000 local churches meet the needs of children in their communities. So, who is Compassion? We're 1.4 million children, babies, mums and students. We're hundreds of thousands of supporters, sponsors and advocates. We're convinced that Christ and His church all over the world can work wonders despite extreme poverty. We are Compassion and we're releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. If what was shared in the clip about Compassion has touched your heart in any way, I would highly recommend sponsoring a child yourself. Our family sponsored a child in North Thailand, his name is Tiger, and we love writing letters to him and he responds to us and tells us about things that are going on in his life. It's a great experience and we can see the difference that we're making in his life. After the service, go to the Compassion Desk and choose a child that you can sponsor with your family. The second partnership I'd like to share with you today is Destiny Rescue. A lot of you would have heard about Destiny Rescue before because we have spoken about them, but their main mission is to rescue children out of child sex trafficking. We're just going to watch a short clip that explains some of the work that they do and then we'll talk about how you can get involved. Every time I watch that clip, I'm reminded of the gravity of the work that Destiny Rescue do. I, was, I follow them on Facebook and just in the last week they have rescued 18 girls out of the sex trafficking industry. 
Today we have with us out in the foyer after the service, Nathan, who's the manager for Victoria and Tasmania, and he would love to talk with you about how you can personally get involved in helping Destiny Rescue do what they do. And he'd love to talk to you about how you can get involved personally and help Destiny Rescue in what they're doing. He's also going to be there selling some jewellery and other items and he'll also have some pamphlets there for you. You also have the opportunity to go on team trips with them which are running all throughout the year. If you think this is something that you are interested in and would like to know more about, please go and speak to Nathan after the service. Okay, so far this morning we have looked at two overseas mission initiatives. Right now I want to talk to you about two local initiatives that you can get involved in. The first one is a program called Kids Hope. And Kids Hope is a one-on-one -on -one mentoring program within a school where you go and spend one hour a week mentoring a child who may otherwise not get as much attention perhaps as some of the other kids. We're going to watch a clip about Kids Hope and it will explain more about the difference that Kids Hope can make in a child's life. Even though it might look like it, being a kid is not always fun and games. It can be hard, and sometimes we face things that seem too big for us to deal with. Having a mentor for Kids Hope Oz gives us an extra adult in our life who can help with even more support to improve our confidence, resilience and well-being. I like my mentor because she's really funny and nice. Oh, she's one again. When um, she first came to me, uh, she was a very, very shy, quiet little girl. Often we would sit most of the hour in complete silence. And now she actually chats for most of the hour. I can say that I can't believe one hour made a difference, but it does, because this child is a different child. So how does Kids Hope Oz work? To begin with, Kids Hope Oz partners with local churches and primary schools. Volunteer mentors from the churches go through a comprehensive training program, whilst teachers from the primary schools nominate children who would benefit from mentoring. Finally, each child is carefully matched with a mentor. Mike is really funny and we like to go out and play soccer and cricket. Ooh, that's a big one. Every week, for at least 12 months, the mentor and child meet for one hour at the child's primary school to do activities such as reading, craft, sport, homework, or whatever the child's interests are. The actual physical demeanour and response from the children, their faces light up, they actually beam when they see their mentors um, coming. They know exactly what time they're coming each week and they are clock watching for those last five minutes before their mentors come. Kids Hope Oz has been running sustainably for 10 years and is now Australia's largest mentoring program. Over this time, the program has grown by 535% and around 3,300 children are mentored each year. Yippee! Kids Hope works at its absolute best in building resilience into little kids' lives that have a, a rough start. And that resilience can completely change the course, potentially, of their life. I think it would be fair to say that at any given point in time, throughout the terms in the year, we tend to have one or two more buddies waiting than we do have mentors ready and prepared. If you're interested in being a donor, a church partner, or a mentor for Kids Hope Oz, please go to kidshopeoz.org.au. 
After the service in the foyer, we're going to have some of our team at a Kids Hope desk. If you think that you can give one hour out of your week to spend some time with a child that will make an amazing difference in their lives, then please go and write your name down so we can start the process of getting involved. Now you might be thinking why are we telling you about Kids Hope at this time and why are you asking me for my name? And that is because we have an exciting opportunity at Knox Community's Primary School down the road. I've been speaking with the principal and they are so excited about us getting involved with them with the Kids Hope program and he is just excited about starting a partnership in general with our church. So we are going to be just down the road, really close to where we are here at church and I can just see that there's going to be so many great opportunities for us to influence the lives of the kids that we can mentor there. Now we're just going to hear from our youth leader Dave Want and he's going to be talking to us about some exciting things that are happening in a local high school in our area. Hey church, Dave here. I just want to share with you quickly about high school's ministry that will be launching very soon. Now, over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Ben and I, we've been out to Fairhill Secondary and we've been able to journey with the chaplain. And you know what? He's very excited for us to be in there. We asked him what we could do to help and he unpacked a lot more than what we ever expected. Not just helping out in the school, but also helping in the wider community. And you know what? That's what God's been calling us to, bridging the gap to our community. And that's this is perfect because we're exploring ideas of what we could do to help, whether it's running programs inside the school or potentially running cap money courses for parents that are struggling and this is going to be fantastic because you know what you can help us if you are interested in helping us all you have to do is head over to the info hub we've got a stand there for you where you can write down your details and the second thing you can do to help us is to pray for us pray for the opportunity and pray for just everything to move run smoothly and you know what prayer for a great impact in that area hey guys thanks for everything thanks for the opportunity to be able to share that with you i hope you guys are enjoying mission sunday for more information about anything of what i've just spoken about you can find me out in the foyer after the service doing these well church that has been mission sunday and we are so excited about what god is doing overseas and in our local community after the service go out into the foyer and get involved we've got people there manning all the desks with compassion destiny rescue kids hope and our high school ministry the people behind the desks are able to answer any questions you might have that haven't been covered already this morning go and speak with them if there's anything else that you would like to know and please sign up if there's something that you're really passionate about i thank you each and every one of you for coming this morning and being a part of our mission sunday god bless you all and go out and have a great week Hey, isn't that awesome? Why don't we give a hand to all the people that are involved with trying to make this run and... You know, the, the thing is, there's just so many opportunities, isn't there? There's so many ways for us to get involved, so many ways that we can make a difference. I would hate to see the obstacles get in the way of making a difference. I would hate to see those things prevent us from moving forwards as a church. Can I tell you that um, over the last couple of weeks... Um, we have just seen how much favour we have in this community. Knox Central Primary School, when Sarah rang the principal and began to speak about the Kids Hope program, all you need to do is give an hour a week. When they began to speak about it, the principal was, like to say he was excited was, would be to say the least. He said, hey, listen, I love this. He said, do you reckon we could form a real strong, solid partnership with you and then maybe have, uh, you know, Q&As at your church and invite people along to it? And could we even, you know, when you guys start to reach out to the community and your church starts to fill up with people from the community, we could even advertise some of the things that we're running in our school and we could put it in your news and we're like, okay, okay, okay. But, but here's the point. He was excited. I mean, he's got vision for our church to grow. 
You know, he, he, he was really in the end, he was pitching us saying, this is a fantastic partnership. He, he, he wants to be a part of it. Dave and I, we went to Fairhills High School and we began to, began to speak about the, the things that we could get involved in there. We've had a number of conversations with the chaplain and uh, we just said, hey, listen, how can we help? We've got a number of programs. We want to run a breakfast program in there, which by the way, we're getting, getting up and running and that'll be happening real soon. So if you want to get involved in that, in that, then make sure you sign up at one of the desks after the service today. But we began to speak to him and I, I said to him, okay, so these are our ideas. I said, but what's the next step from here? What do we need to do to really make this happen? I mean, do we need to, um, do we need to meet with the principal? He said, I am the next step. If I say you're in, you're in, and you're in. I said, great. So, so straight away, first meeting, you're in. Come in, do whatever you want to do. We sat down on Wednesday, uh, just gone, and we spent time with the school chaplain there brainstorming all the kind of ministries that we could engage the school in. One of the things that we're processing at the moment is working with Christians Against Poverty, the CAP program, and maybe running uh, programs here at the church, they seem to think that the bursa would be very interested in this, in talking to their own school community. So we're not just dealing with the kids here, but the wider community. As parents are struggling to pay for their bills and so forth, he said, listen, why don't we uh, sort of partner in that way? And if you guys are going to run a, a CAP seminar, a CAP course, which by the way, we, we are running in a couple of weeks time, he said, uh, we could encourage a lot of our parents to get along to that and you guys could just host it at your church. I said, that's a fantastic idea. We're exploring the ideas right now of running uh, nights here at the school where we kind of facilitate a Q&A as primary school uh, parents, you know, if they've got grade sixes, if they're going to transition into Fairhills uh, High School where we'd run a night here and, you know, all the primary school parents would come and we'd invite the principal and the chaplain and other people and they'd have a Q&A and we'll run the coffee cart and we're just finding so many ways and opportunities. And the thing is, you know, even when I, when I asked about this building, everyone said yes. Hey, can we have free rent? Yes. Can we put in toilets? Oh, your client will pay for it. So we don't have to pay for that. Fantastic. Thank you. Everything that we ask for, we get yes. Man, I just don't know about you. I just feel like we've been given such an opportunity by God. We really have. Everything, every door opened up for us to be here. And every, as we start to engage with the community, everything that we're asking for, we're getting. You know what it needs now? It just needs you. It just needs me. It just needs us. It just needs us to commit. The community, they're prepared to commit to us. We just got to commit back to them. Mission Sunday is all about making a commitment in our hearts. Now, I would encourage you this morning, whatever obstacles could be in your way, why don't you just deal with that right now in this service? Just say, you know what? I'm not going to let those things prevent me from moving forwards and living the life that God has called me to anymore. My wife, she preached a brilliant message on Tuesday and she talked about the church being relevant. If you read the Bible, it says that in Acts chapter four, Acts chapter five, it says that a lot of the people that were around at the time didn't dare join the apostles because you know, they were worried about being persecuted themselves. But I tell you what, they kept bringing out their sick. They kept going to them for food. In fact, you know what? Because of the early church's charity, thousands of Jewish priests that were starving because their own religious institution didn't care for them, they were converted. They became Christians because of the charitable heart of Christian people of the early church. The early church gave everything. I'm suggesting this morning that it's time for us to give something too. Is that okay with you all? Good. Why don't we stand this morning? 
We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.